Good morning. Good morning. I, can, uh, I think I can take this off now. Maybe. All right. Wow. Okay. It's really good to see everyone. Hi. I was thinking back this morning and I realized it's been probably about a year since I've been up here in front of you. And um, that's a long time. <laughs> so if I seem a little nervous this morning, that's why. Um, I just, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to see everyone. I'm so glad to be here bringing this message for you this morning. Uh, in case you don't know me, my name is Elena Zemke. I'm serving here at First Church as the pastor to the seniors. And I also am on the board of directors in the worship pillar. I also work out in the world as a hospice chaplain, and up until a couple weeks ago, um, I was participating in our services online, mainly so that I could limit the possibility of spreading anything that I were to pick up out in the community here or vice versa. Um, so I was able to get my second dose of COVID vaccine about a month ago, and so here I am, hooray. I really have missed seeing you guys. I've uh, missed seeing your faces or, you know, half your faces. Um, <laughs> and during my absence, uh, I have been facilitating the online conversation on Sunday morning. So shout out to the online church community. Whoop, whoop. Um, it's been really cool to see the conversation that goes on uh, online on a Sunday morning. It's been a really pretty pretty neat to see that engagement, and so, um, you know, you're, you're part of a church community that is bigger than you realize. Now, this morning and next week, I'm going to be tackling one of those big questions of the faith. Who is God? Now, to say that's a big question is kind of an understatement, right? Uh, when I told Pastor James that I was willing to come back and preach, um, and he gave me that subject, I started to think maybe he was playing a nasty trick on me. And then I remembered that he gets to speak on the Trinity in a few weeks, so I felt better. Um, <laughs> but I think before we get going on this complex question, it would be wise of me to pray and ask the Lord for guidance and um, his patience with our limited understanding. So pray with me. Lord, Heavenly Father, I do come before you this morning humbly asking for your wisdom, asking for your direction, and um, asking for your patience as we try and get a better picture of who you are and um, who you are in the world and who you are in our lives. We love you and uh, we, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Now, to start out this morning, I want you to take a minute and I want you to think about the person in your life that you know the very best. This is someone that you probably know for a very long time. You have a lot of shared history with this person. If you're married, especially if you've been married for many years, this is probably your spouse that you're thinking of. Um, it might be a best friend or a sibling or other close relative. Whoever it is that springs to mind, I want you to think about the core of who that person is, their essence. I want you to think about the things that make them unique, their personality, their quirks. Start forming a picture of them in your mind. Think about their hopes and their dreams. Think about what they look like when they're happy or sad or angry. 
Think about what they get passionate about, what they're really fired up about, and think about the things that they're afraid of. Maybe this person has a favorite phrase that they use all the time. I want you to, to picture them and imagine the sound of their voice or their laugh. Go ahead, are you doing it? Are you picturing them right now? Good. Now, how would you describe that person to someone else? Think about the words that you would use to describe them. Would you find it easy to say in a sentence or two, describe this other person to, to a stranger? Could you tell someone else enough about this person that they start to feel like they kind of know your special person too? Are there things about your special person that maybe you can't explain to someone else? My guess is that if you were to try to teach a stranger about your person, you might come across a few things that you just can't describe. You might find yourself saying, you know what, you should just meet them. Why is that so hard? Why is it so hard for us to describe someone that we know so well, someone that we see and interact with on a daily, probably, basis? You've got shared history with them. You, you can actually introduce this person to another human being and they can see them and talk to them and interact with them. But I think it's safe to say that there are some things that as well as you know this person, you, even you, have never learned. Things, deep things that only they, maybe not even they, understand about themselves. Maybe only God only knows about them. So if it's this hard to fully describe another person made of flesh and blood, a person who occupies a particular space and time, who can be observed and interacted with, how much more difficult is it to fully know and describe someone with whom you cannot interact in a tangible way? Someone who exists outside of the confines of space and time. Someone who usually interacts with us in a much more subtle and unquantifiable way. Of course, I'm talking about God. I realize that there might be some of you who are listening here today or possibly online who still have questions about whether or not God even exists. You might think if he does that it's not possible that we can really know him at all. And that's a, that's a good question. That's a, those are bigger questions, and we've kind of started to tackle a little bit of that as we've been going through this catechumenate material over the last several weeks. But I just want to say I'm glad you're listening this morning, and I hope that wherever you are in your journey of faith, you have people around you that you feel comfortable raising some of these questions with. So that you know where I'm coming from, I do believe there is a God, I believe that he is described to us in the pages of the Bible, and uh, it's that the Bible is the source material that I'm using today and next week as I talk through this question of who God is. Now, just as I asked you to think of the person that you're closest with and to think about how you would describe them to someone else, now I want you to think about God. In your mind, who is God? How would you describe God to another person? Take a second, if you need to, and just think about it. What are some of the words that you would use to tell someone else about God's character and his personality?
And I would actually really like to hear from you. So if you have some words that come to your mind that describe who God is, tell them to me. And I've got some people online who are responding as, as well. So let's hear it. What do you got? Forgiving. What was that? Love. Back here? Creator. Who else? Heavenly Father. Merciful, patient, all-knowing. Good. Jan online says, a source of everlasting, unconditional love. And James says, love, <laughs> awe-inspiring, worthy of praise and adoration, visibly invisible. Those are awesome. Those are really good. But does that give us the whole answer the whole question of who God is no <laughs> answering that question is no simple task it can't be completed in a couple of minutes it's the study of a lifetime and I would say even then we can't fully understand the nature of God if we believe that we can glean things from the Bible which as I said I do then there are aspects of, the, of God and of his character that are simply beyond our capacity to understand. There are lots of scriptures that say exactly that. Take, for example, Romans 11, 33 and 34. Oh, the depth and the riches of the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Psalm 145.3 says, Great is the Lord and most worthy is praise. His greatness no one can fathom. And Psalm 147.5 says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. 1 Corinthians 2.9-16 explains, Anything that we know about the so-called deep things of God we're able to grasp only by the help of the Holy Spirit. Verse 11 says, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And then verse 14 goes on to say, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only by the Spirit. Then there's my favorite Psalm 139, which says in verses 4 through 6, Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And in verses 17 through 18, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And then there's Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In these verses, God himself speaks, describing the distance between us. I think this passage really sums up what I'm saying. There are some things 
about God that we are incapable of understanding by virtue of the fact that we are not God and God is not like anything or anyone else in the universe. As the great preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, a God whom we could understand would be no God. If we could grasp him, he would not be infinite. If we could understand him, he would not be divine. Hopefully we can agree that after looking at these just handful of verses, really, that there are aspects of God that are beyond our grasp. However, and this is a capitalized, bold, however, this truth does not mean that we are unable to know anything about God. Just the opposite. In fact, the entire story of God's interaction with human beings shows that he wants to know us and he wants us to know him. The Bible is the record of the lengths that God goes to to restore relationship with his creation, a relationship that was broken by sin. Now, throughout scripture, we see that God invites us to be in relationship with him over and over and over. You might ask how you can be in relationship with someone who you can't see or touch or understand. But the pages of this book, this Bible, gives us the answer, and that's where we should first try to get to know God a little bit better. I'm going to pa- uh, focus on a couple of passages both this week and next week that are examples of God making himself known to humans in one way or another. And they come from the Old Testament, also known as the Hebrew Scriptures. They reveal to us aspects of God's character and his work in the world. Now later on, Pastor James is going to talk with you about the clearest revelation of God's character, the person of Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, and whose life and work are described to us primarily in the New Testament. But for today and next week, we're going to focus on what we can glean about God as seen through his interactions with two Old Testament figures, Moses and the prophet Isaiah. Today's passage comes out of the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. And this is a story that is probably familiar to most of you, even if you don't have a background in the church. But as a refresher... I'm going to read it for you now. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So he thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. 
I have heard them crying out because of their suffering. And I am concerned. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. This passage has some pretty important things to tell us about God. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're going to take some time and try to understand what some of those things are. Now, in order to do this, we're going to try something a little different this morning. Hold on, it'll be okay. If you've been involved with First Church for a while, you're probably familiar with a method of studying a passage of the Bible called the Lectio Divina. Pastor James has led us in this exercise many times, and it involves reading or hearing a passage read through repeatedly, and each time focusing on a particular word or phrase, and using your imagination to put yourself into the story and ask God to bring your attention to something specific that he wants you to learn or understand from that passage. We're not going to do this today. The Lectio is a useful exercise, and it's um, very effective at times, and, but it might be more effective for people who learn and process things when they hear it or read it. Uh, so I thought that since each of us learns a little differently, we should try something to engage those of us who are visual learners. And so we are going to practice something today called the Visio Divina. Now, translated literally, visio divina means divine seeing. In visio divina, we invite God to speak to our hearts as we look at an image. Now, uh, there's going to be a, this picture up on the screen, and we're going to take some time just to contemplate that picture. It's related to the story that I just read, and as you look at it, I'm going to ask each of you to be in prayer asking God, to speak to you about some aspect of his personality. Now, as you sit with this picture, I'm going to give you a few questions to reflect on. And at the end, I'm going to uh, ask you to participate with me, if you will, and share what God might have said to you during your reflection. 
Now, I'm, I'm also asking those who are participating online to share if they're willing. And so um, they'll be sending those thoughts in, hopefully, and I will share them with you. All right, so we've got this up on the screen. If you can't see it on the edges, you might need to lean a little, but um, here we go. As you gaze at this picture, remember the story I just read about Moses and his encounter with God. Be present with the image and ask God to speak to you through it. How do you feel looking at this picture? If you had to describe this image to yourself in a sentence or just a few words, think about what you would say. If you were in this picture, where would you place yourself? Do you get a glimpse of the sacred from this image? Is God speaking to you through it? Does a name for God or an aspect of his character arise for you from this image? In silence, sit with what you have received, just for a moment. Now, if you're willing, will you share with the group the word or the phrase that expresses what you receive from God while you were meditating on this image? And you can just go ahead and speak it out. Awesome. Awesome. Mysteriously powerful. Mysteriously powerful. Light. Light. Warmth. Humbling. Humbling, yeah. Unfathomable. Unfathomable. Holy. Holy. Dangerous. Dangerous. Someone online said, blindingly awesome. And awe-inspiring. Now, I recognize this exercise might have been a little out of the box or uncomfortable for some of you, and that's okay. God speaks to us in many different ways. My goal with introducing you to this Visio Divina is to give you just another tool to put in your Connecting with God toolbox. And when it comes to trying to learn more about God, I say we could use all the tools we can get. Now, as I remind you of the verses that I read earlier, God's ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. So we have to rely on him revealing himself 
to us in order to learn more about him. Now Moses learned something about God when God spoke to him through the burning bush. I'd say he probably learned a few things. But God told Moses his name. He said, I am who I am. In other words, God defines himself. We can learn about his character by observing his work in history and in our own lives. We've talked about this idea over the last couple of weeks, about how God reveals himself through our own story and through the stories in the Bible. He reveals himself through a variety of ways, through his word, through his creation, through the life and the work of Jesus Christ, through other people, through his Holy Spirit. And we use all of our senses to understand what he's saying to us. Now, this week, I want us to become a little more aware of what the world around us and our daily activities is, are revealing to us about who God is. The next week, we're going to speak a little more concretely about God's character and what our response to him should be. But this week, like I said, is all about awareness. I want us to become more aware of who God is as we go about our daily lives. When you go to work or to school, when you interact with the people around you, when you participate in leisure activities or hobbies, when you look out the window in the morning, or you drink that first cup of coffee, or you take a walk, or you do your homework, or you take a minute to consider the world around you, I want you to think in that moment is there anything that you can learn about God's character from what you observe? For example, if you're participating in a physical activity, what does that movement of your bones and your muscles and your joints teach you about the God who created your body? When you look at the created world outside, what does that tell you about the one who creates? When you read your Bible, what do you learn about God, both from the pages and the content, but also the fact that you're reading the Bible? What does that tell you about God? And then I want you to think back to the beginning of this sermon when I asked you to think about and describe the person that you know best in the world. The reason that you're able to describe that person at all is because you know them so well and that knowing comes out of the time you have spent with that person. The more time you spend with them, the better you get to know them, to understand their motivations and their character, the more clearly you can describe them to someone else. Now hear me when I say this, the same is true for your relationship with God. The more time you spend with him day to day, the more time you spend studying his record of his interaction with the world, the more you can begin to know him, the more clearly you can describe him to others. So spend some time with him this week. That's your homework. Pretty easy. Spend time with God. See what he reveals to you about himself. When you do receive something, when you 
start to figure something new out, I want you to share it with someone else. And then I want you to come back next week, please, and we'll talk some more about who God is and how we can respond to him in our lives. You pray with me. Heavenly Father, you are mysterious. You are greater than we can fathom. There's more to you than we can learn in a million lifetimes. But Lord, that is what you call us to. You call us to relationship with you. So Father, I pray that this week, as we take the time to notice the world around us and to ask the question, what does this teach me about God? Lord, I pray that you would be responding, that you would speak to each of us, and that you would reveal some of your character to us so that we can get to know you a little bit better. We do love you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.